Oh my gosh, I don't know if you can tell, but today we, uh, we begin the celebration of Advent. And I don't know about you, but it seems just a little more Christmassy today, even than it did yesterday. <laughs> you know, the gifts have already begun to come in, and, uh, and I don't know if you've sensed that or not, but it's just like we've turned a corner somewhere. And, and by the way, we'll be out here at noon today, a little early uh, for that. So in case anyone's wondering. Now, for those who are uh, unfamiliar, if you've never heard that word Advent before, uh, during the Christmas season, Advent begins officially four Sundays before Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And uh, so by way of trivia uh, for you for tomorrow, so you can overwhelm your coworkers, uh, this year Advent is the latest that it can, it's the least number of days. So if, if Christmas feels like, man, it's really shrunk up this year, it's the least number of days uh, to celebrate Advent that it can be. Now, if you've, uh, if you've never heard of this. I want to make sure you get it on your handout. You'll note the word Advent is from the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival or coming or visitation. And so this whole Christmas story, this idea of the arrival of Jesus, it's filled with people who are waiting, even longing for someone important, right, to arrive. And so for us today, Advent is a celebration, not just of the first coming of Jesus, but we're also waiting for his second coming. So it's a celebration of what is yet to come. Historically, it begins as the Old Testament ends and the New Testament is beginning. And it is designed, this season, this Advent season is designed to be a time of waiting and watching and remembering and rejoicing and reflecting on the promises of God and anticipating the fulfillment of those promises with patience, with prayer, being prepared. And so as we celebrate this season, uh, we are over the next several weeks going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But I want you to note that in this month, and so I hope you'll be here the last Sunday of the month, because we're going to talk about why it's worth waiting uh, for the second coming of Jesus as well. So in the Old Testament, the people of Israel had been expecting something to happen. As a matter of fact, the prophets had been telling them. Uh, and so they were expecting, they were waiting for a Messiah. And maybe you've seen these words from the prophet Isaiah. He talks about this Messiah, especially this time of year. Perhaps you've seen these words. He says, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies is what's going to make this happen. Now, Isaiah was talking about Jesus coming 700 years before Jesus was born. Actually, from the very beginning of the Bible, first book of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, we have sightings, predictions, people talking about uh, the coming, prophesying about the coming of the Messiah uh, about 300 times. He was expected by many, although admittedly when he showed up, he was kind of a surprise to everybody with the exception of his father. Look at what Paul writes in the book of Galatians. He says, when the fullness of time, when the time was just right, when it had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. The contemporary English version says it this way, when the time was just right. I think it's interesting, and Dylan Burroughs says this, it's on your handout if you've got that. It says, God is never late and rarely early. He's always exactly right on time. 
So regardless of how you read Galatians chapter 4, God set the time for Jesus' first coming. He set that according to his plan. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I mean, I, 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 at least God's timing and at least my timing, maybe you've noticed it with your timing, doesn't always line up. When you want something to happen, you're asking God to make it happen. He didn't always make it happen in your timeline. And so Advent begins with this idea of waiting on God, and which begs a question, how do you do with that? How do you do with waiting uh, in general? Uh, it's an inevitable, even necessary aspect of human life. It's just not something that we like, but we have to wait. Uh, we wait in lines to order uh, lunch, to, to purchase our groceries, to fill up a tank of gas. We wait in, uh, sometimes for elevators to arrive, to download a program for transportation, uh, for the doctor, for traffic signals at amusement parks. We, we're waiting to see a movie, Star Wars coming December 14th. Uh, we also wait for flowers to grow and bloom. We wait for babies to be born. Two years ago, I remember waiting for my granddaughter to be born. And uh, it just seemed like it was taking forever said the guy waiting in the waiting room doing nothing. <laughs> you know, uh, we wait for wounds to heal, bread to rise, cheese to age, children to mature, friends to call, and love to deepen. As a matter of fact, statisticians tell us after studying that in a lifetime of 70 years, the average person will spend three years wait. Three of your 70 years is spent waiting on something. And quite frankly, most of us don't like it. There was an engineer at Purdue University. He was a grilling uh, purist. And some of you know folks who are charcoal grilling purists, no gas grills for them. Uh, he was impatient because it took so long for the charcoal briquettes to warm up and then be able to cook his food. So he decided to pump pure oxygen into his Weber grill to accelerate the burning process, which worked and he liked. So he decided he would try liquid oxygen, which is what they put in booster rockets. And so he tried that and it worked up worked out pretty well too. In fact, it burned up the briquettes, the food, and the grill itself in three seconds. And, uh, and I know, I know there's some guys in the room going, seriously, burgers in three seconds. I got to try this thing, you know? And we get that, right? Especially at Easter, or at Easter, at Christmas. <laughs> well, we got to get past Christmas to get to Easter, especially at Christmas. Because, listen, there's food to be baked, and there are cards to send, and we got to get out and buy gifts, and we got to go to parties. And then once we've got the gifts, we need to wrap them, and then we have to stock, stuff stockings. And then there are relatives coming, and, and we have plays to watch. And there's so many things to do in the month of December. And yet, when we stop and we read, we read things like this in Micah chapter 7. As for me, I'll watch expectantly for the Lord. I will, What? I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. In Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to what? To wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. These words will probably seem familiar out of the Psalms. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Advent is designed. It is by its nature. It is historically a time of waiting. So why is this the first thing we're reminding ourselves as we, as we begin this season? It's because when we don't remember to have time to wait, when we don't remember to, to make time to slow down, we can get so overwhelmed at times in our life, especially during this season, that we don't think we can wait. 
We don't think we have the time for that. When we're overwhelmed, waiting is not what we want to do. So today we remind ourselves as we enter this season, I don't know, did you notice the title? Look at the top of the page. Do you see that? What's the title this morning we're talking about? Slowing down, right? That's what we're going to talk about. Why is it important to slow down, especially at Christmas, but all, listen, all year, but especially at Christmas, here's some things to note, just really practical. You've already experienced these. Number one, when I'm overwhelmed, my stress expands. If I get overwhelmed, and I'm, I'm assuming you've experienced that. Michael Salden tells of a time he was traveling through a rural area of southern Nevada, and he stopped at a cafe for breakfast, and he ordered his eggs over easy. But when the waitress brought them, the waitress, by the way, looked like she had been through uh, a few, uh, more than a few desert storms. When she delivered them, he was dismayed to find the yolks cooked solid. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, I ordered my eggs over easy. And she said, honey, that's about as easy as things get around here. Uh, I don't know if you ever feel that way. You've ordered life sunny side up. (laughs) You ordered life over easy. And it keeps coming back hard boiled. And the more overwhelmed we get, the busier we are, the more likely that stress is just going to keep expanding to other areas of our lives, which goes right into the second thing I want to make sure you get. When I'm overwhelmed, my relationships explode. So I get, I'm overwhelmed, it's stressful, and then my relationships go crazy. So when you're running from place to place, when you're juggling a thousand things that you have got to do, it is going to negatively impact the relationships that you have with people. Part of the reason for this stress and anger that you're carrying is that it can be misdirected at the people that you love. But the other part is you really don't have time for the people that you love, right? You've got too many things to do, and it's the holidays. Chances are better than even that you're going to get more time with the people that you love, right? Over the next couple weeks, it's already on your calendar. You see when it's coming. I don't know if you know this or not. Studies have been conducted that talk about the number one predictor of a child's future emotional health and success. So think about this. The number one predictor of a child's future emotional health and success. They've studied these things. If you want to know what is the number one of all the things they looked at, and they looked at a lot of things, but the number one predictor of a child's future emotional health and success, what they have found is that those children as they were growing up, ate at least five meals a week with his or her family. Think about that. They looked at all these different aspects of a kid's life. But the number one pattern they found for kids who grew up to be emotionally healthy and successful was that they ate five meals a week with their family. And I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with the food they're eating. It has everything to do with the most significant people in a child's life communicating to their child, I have time for you. You are wanted. You, you, I, I love you by taking this time. It makes kids feel loved and secure. It's because you can't love in a hurry. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, parents, grandparents, do you think God wants our children to grow up to feel loved and secure? One theologian said it this way, God walks slowly because he is love. If he wasn't love, he'd have gone a whole lot faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depths of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we're currently being hit by a storm or not, at three miles an hour. It's the speed that we walk, and therefore it's the speed the love of God walks. Love moves at three miles an hour i got to tell you, there's something about that that resonates with me. There's something inside of me that, 
that wants that. And I need reminded of that a lot. And so what I'm wondering is, could it be that part of the reason we miss out on actually celebrating the birth of our king is that we're going 100 miles an hour through the month of December and he's moving three miles an hour through the month of December. And I don't know about you, but I always start out with the best of intentions. <laughs> I'm, I've already said it this year. Maybe you've said it too. I'm going to do better this year, right? Have you said that? I'm doing better this Christmas. I'm slowing down. I'm going to be with. I'm actually going to be with people. I will enjoy the holidays. But I struggle to make that reality. I have a hard time moving through the month of December at three miles an hour. And it's important because I want this to be my prayer. Psalm 62, look at this. Let all that I am wait quietly before God because my hope is in him. I want that to be my prayer. I'm going to wait quietly before God because he, my hope is in him. And that, it's one thing to say that and believe it, by the way. I mean, I'm not saying you don't believe this. I'm just saying it's one thing to say it and believe it and pray it. It's a whole other thing for your calendar to reflect the truth of that in your life. It's doctors and psychologists are so aware of this that they've come up with a term to define our problem and our need. The, the word they've given to it, and you've heard it before, is margin. So on your notes, to slow down, I need margin, which all margin is, is extra space in your life. I don't know if you've ever noticed this on a piece of paper or on a document on your computer. The margin is the space around the top and down the sides and across the bottom. It's also the space in between the lines. It is exceptionally difficult. You ever tried to read a piece of paper that had words all over it, filled the whole thing? There was no space on the paper at all. On the paper at all. Our eyes need that margin to be able to read. Think about parking spots. Listen, they they don't make those so your cars fit in perfectly, right? They leave a little bit on the left and the right. That's necessary so we can get our cars in safely. When you're going down the freeway, have you ever noticed the lanes on the freeway are wider than your car? They give you a little bit of room to, to go left and right just a little bit. It's unused space. What's true with paper and parking spaces and lanes on the highway? It's true for our lives as well. We need margin, which is unused time and unused energy. So if that's true in general in life, that we need un just in life in general, you have to have unused time or energy or your stress starts to go crazy and you get overwhelmed. If that's true at life in general, do you suppose that's true in December as well? Maybe even especially? Put this on your notes. If I want to give myself space to wait for God, if waiting for God is important to me, if I say I'm waiting on him because my hope is there, if I want to give myself space to wait for God, I have to change my speed because if I don't, I will go rushing past the one I'm trying to see. So how do I do that? Because this isn't just about, well, thanks for that. Uh, this is about how do we do that? So here you go. You ready? On, on your notes. If I'm going to slow down, the first thing I have to do is accept my limitations. We all have limitations. L listen, overload is everywhere. There's activity overload, which is, by the way, when your kids plan your schedule. There's choice overload, which is when you stop at Starbucks. Uh, there's debt overload, expectation overload, information overload, and work overload, primarily because of the progress in technology. We're, we're able to do more now. Overload is only an issue. The only reason overload is an issue is because you were created with limits. You were created with limits intentionally by God. He created your limits 
and he gave them to you because he loves you. And you have to accept your own personal limits. As a matter of fact, Psalm 110, the Bible says something about this. I've learned that everything has limits. The Bible talks about this. We have to remember these limitations in our lives. Again, God intentionally put them there. He's the author of them because he loves you. We have to stop fighting our limits and accept them if we're going to make this happen. So here's the deal. You have physical limits. You have emotional limits. Uh, you have mental limits. Do you know that scientists have discovered that the human mind can only handle so much new information at one time, and then after it gets that much information, it just dulls down. You're not, it won't take anything new. I don't know if you knew that or not. We have time limits. And I got to tell you, it doesn't matter how many uh, uh, seminars you go to on time management, you still only have 24 hours a day and you only get seven of those. You don't get more hours or more days and you have to sleep part of those hours, right? I have space limitations and maybe you're thinking to yourself, gosh, you know, it would be great. You know, it would be great. It would be great if God would somehow put a warning light up so that when I was getting near my, you know, 95%, this red light would go off and a siren and maybe there'd be some flashing and, 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 then, and then I would know that I'm getting close, I hope maybe it will help you to know that God has given you a warning light. It's called pain in your life. It's called fatigue. It's called stress. Maybe in December, the most notable is the loss of joy, right? You see someone around you who seems to have no joy at all in this season or irritability. When you are irritable, it's because you're on overload. You've exceeded some sort of limit, a mental, a physical, a, a, a spiritual, maybe an emotional limit. Maybe something's going on in your life right now and this emotional limit and you're on overload. And so you've gotten irritable. So what happens when you exceed your limit in December? Or around Thanksgiving? How's that work with you with your family <laughs> when you're stressed out and your relationships are exploding? Or, or, or how do you do at work? Do you enjoy looking at the lights at Christmas time? Not, not the spinning light on the top of the car behind you because you were hurrying off to something, all right? So the starting point for getting space in your life, especially during this season, is to realize you have limits in your life. You can't just keep cramming your life more and more full because of what happens next. You ready? Slowing down requires, if this is going to happen, I have to put space in my schedule. I want to make sure you get this, and I want to make sure you understand what I'm telling you. You cannot hope for more space in your, in your calendar. You can't even pray for it. This is something you pray about. You can't expect somebody else to put space in your calendar for you. They won't do it. You have to do this. You're going to have to decide to build some buffer zones into your life and to, to slow down. It means you have to have some empty space in your schedule. I love that there is a bowling alley in Beaverton, Oregon. And every couple of weeks, they completely remove all of the bowling pins from service. And they put them on a shelf and they change them out with another full set of pins. Do you know why they do that? They're letting the bowling pins rest. Bowling pins. They're letting them rest. Maybe you notice we, we don't have a whole lot of all church activities here at MCC during December. Because years ago we made this decision. It's been about 10 years now. We made this decision that we are going to slow December down. 
or at least we're not going to add to the speed of it. So while there's a next gen activity this next Thursday night, we've got Jingle Jam and that's going to be great and it's going to be fun. We've also got uh, next gen activities with our students and uh, middle school, high school students and with our, with our youngest kids. But what we've done is we've slowed our all church activities because there's small group activities, all kinds of activities are going on, but we've slowed down our all church activities basically to be our times of worship on Sundays and the five Christmas Eve services that we'll be doing. And that's really the only all church activities we'll do. Listen, do you think that was tough to make those decisions? Do you think anyone, uh, do you think people questioned the decision to do that and wonder why we're not doing more? Maybe you wonder why we're not doing more. And it's because slowing down requires, and it's on your notes because you have to know this, you have to intentionally say no and yes. Intentionally say no and yes to activities. So why do gardeners prune trees and plants? It's for greater productivity. It's for the health of the plant. It's for the plant's own goodness. It's for future blossoms and fruitfulness in the next season. A neighbor came over this year and showed me how to, actually he did it for me. Uh, he, he pruned the plants in my yard for me because I don't know what I'm doing. But he did that for next, not for this fall. He did that for next year. No pruning. No fruitfulness in your plants in the next season. I love this passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. A wise person does the right thing at the right time. Every year of our life, we sprout new activities. Think about this. You're doing things right now in your life that you didn't do a year ago. Think about that. What are you doing this year that you weren't doing a year ago? Because you've added them into your life. The question is, what have you cut out? What have you said no to? Because you can't keep just adding things into your life without saying no. As your kids grow up, you add new things to do, but you can't just, you have to cut back. You cannot not, you have to prune the activities in your life. Here's the secret. And this is permission. When you prune, you don't just cut off dead wood. There are activities, there are events in your life right now that are still productive still fruitful, but in your pruning, you have to cut off some of the productive, fruitful, still good bearing fruit things because you're in a new season of life and you have to say no to some things, but you have to say yes intentionally to those things that are going to get you where you want to be. So you have to think about where you want to be at the end of this month, at the end of next year, and say no to things that maybe are still great and fun and you love them, but man, they're just not going to get you where you want to go. But these things will. You know, beginning tomorrow, we're going to email out a daily Advent thought, and it comes every day through Christmas Eve. It's been written by members of our congregation, and they are designed to center your thoughts on the one whose birth we celebrate. It'll probably take you five minutes, maybe seven minutes to read that. And if you received them last year, you're already on the mailing list. If you did not receive these last year, we will not send it to you unless you tell us to. You can do that at our website. You can do that on the connection card. Uh, I think you can do it at the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, I hope, my hope is that you'll prioritize your time this month, beginning tomorrow morning, that you will prioritize so that you'll take a couple of minutes to say yes to something that's going to help just refocus what this month is all about for you. But I'm telling you right now, if you say yes to that five to seven minutes, if you say yes to that five, or five to seven minutes, doesn't sound like much. 
But if you say yes to that, you have to say no to something else. You have to be able to say no to something else. Listen, I want to leave some space at Christmas so I can wait for God. And I hope you will too. Because my guess is God has something waiting here for you. If you'll slow down and if you'll wait for him, he has something waiting here for you. Look at what Jesus said. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. Let me show you. Let me show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. How fast does love walk? Three miles an hour. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I promise I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So somebody asked this question. I just thought it was great. Do you think it's a coincidence that the season we celebrate the birth of Jesus is attacked by this sense of hurry and being frantic? Is that coincidence? Or is it possible that the enemy knows that if he can get you frazzled by using the circumstances of your life and the activities of this season, that you'll move all the way through it and you will have lost your focus on the child born in Bethlehem. So each Sunday we stop in our service. Maybe you've noticed we stop every Sunday and we remember. It's what Paul said just a little bit ago. This is what... When the fullness of time had come. This is talking about Christmas. When the time was just right, God sent forth his son, born of Mary, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as children of God. That's why we stop. That's why we remember every Sunday. But it's why it's so important we remember, especially this month. Listen, we don't just come to remember that Jesus came. We come together to remember why Jesus came so that we might have life here to the full and life eternal with him. Why don't we go to him in prayer as we prepare for communion. God, thank you for this moment where we get to stop every Sunday and we remind ourselves of, of what is at the core of who we are, what is supposed to be the center of our being. And even as we come into this month of December, maybe the light just needs to shine a little more brightly because we can kind of push this aside and look only at an infant in a manger. But the point of the story is that when the time was just right, you sent your son to pay a sin debt that we couldn't. You sent your son because there was, there was something we could not do for ourselves, but he can if we'll let him. And so today, Father, we stop to remember and we hold in our hands the emblems that remind us of his body and his blood that were shed for us on the cross because we struggle with sin. And your word tells us that you can make our lives as white as snow. And Christmas is it's such a great reminder of that when it snows. God, your word reminds us that you have come as far as the east is from the west to take our sins away from us. And that's great for us to remember, especially now. So God, as your children, as we take this moment, as we hold these emblems, may we recommit ourselves.
May we say as we begin this month, may we say together, we are going to stop. We will slow down. We will create more. We will make space. We will say no to some things and very intentionally say yes to other things as we hold these emblems because this is what's most important to us. And so we will honor our king as we celebrate his birth. God, as we take these emblems, may we make that commitment to you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, who gave his life for ours. Amen.